Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Visit us soon at our new State College location. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Dustin Hawkinsmith. Welcome back in. It's another edition of the Blue White Breakdown here on Penn Live, brought to you by Penn State Health. I'm here with Bob Flounders. I'm Dustin Hawkinsmith, and we are touching on a couple little news items from last week, but also um, looking at some guys on Penn State's roster. And I know, Bob, you're, you're thinking some veterans who have a chance to exceed some expectations. So we'll look at a few names there. And also um, a good time now with uh, about a little over half, I think, the, the freshman class on campus now. And the others expected to arrive within the next like week or so. Looking at these late arriving freshmen and guys who stand out to us on that front as well. And maybe even one or two of those late arrivals who have a chance to play early in their careers. I think uh, I think that's a good idea because we all get infatuated with the January enrollees. And they do definitely have an advantage because they get a little taste of the strength and conditioning program to get a little more physically prepared. They're in school and they get a little bit uh, used to the demands of, you know, the, the balanced life. They get to go through spring drills, on-field coaching. In recent years, there's been some pretty good freshmen who have arrived in August, Saquon Barkley being one uh, that jumps out, that that, can, that are just so good, they, they immediately make room for them. And that could be the case again this year, I have a couple guys in mind. I'm sure you do as well. I do, yeah. And uh, so Saquon, how about Jahan Dotson in 2018? And I think Yitor Gross Matos in 2017 are a couple other good names. So if they got it, they get a chance to show it. Yeah, and James likes to say that usually, usually it's positions. Uh, there's some positions that are easier than others to make an immediate impact. But it's a crazy world anymore with camps and training and, you know, you know, they were talking about a true freshman defensive tackle in April. That's almost unheard of. That might actually be in the in the uh, Zane Durant. That might be in the in the defensive line rotation. And that to me was really intriguing because those, especially inside, you don't you don't hear a lot about that. But we'll, we'll see. You're right, and I do think there's going to be at least a couple that the fans are going to be saying, "Hey, man, by the second half of the season, these guys can be key players on Penn State's team." First things first. I want to get into. Um... Kick times. And this is, we can just kind of breeze through this. We, we talked last week, I believe, about Penn State at Auburn, uh, on September 17th. That's a 3.30 Eastern time kick, 2.30 local time on CBS. We also found out last week, Penn State at Purdue, uh, Thursday night game, 8 p.m. start. Not a, not a shocker on the start time. That'll be on Fox. September 10th at home against Ohio, noon on ABC. September 24th at home against Central Michigan. No game time yet. That'll be on BTN. So if you're counting at home, that's four for four different networks uh, on the first four games of the year. October 1st against Northwestern at home. That's TBD on ESPN Networks. So it looks like there might be some flexibility there. And then lastly, October 22nd at home against Minnesota, 7.30 p.m. start. No TV info there. What jumps out to you about any of these kick times or or television details that we've learned? Uh, I'm just a little curious about the Minnesota game being a night game. I think that frees up Penn State to do some things. 
if they want to have a traditional, you know, whiteout experience at night. I think that 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 would be my first thought. I kind of had that game before I really thought about, you know, Ohio State noon box baseball. Got to play it. Going to play it in the noon window. I always thought that would be a night game. Does Penn State want to have a whiteout at, you know, lunchtime? And maybe they don't. If they don't, I think the Minnesota game, it makes a lot of sense. I think that's going to be – it's got to be one of the others. And now they've kind of greased the skids if they want to make the Minnesota game the whiteout game because uh, they want to have it at night. That That's what stands out the most to me. I'm I'm extremely relieved, though, Dustin, that the Ohio game's kicking off at noon because I do not like – every once in a while, every other couple of years, we'll have a weird game at either 5 o'clock in the afternoon – or like seven o'clock uh, at night. I think they played like Coastal Carolina or some some school at night in 2017, and they'll have a weird start at five o'clock. Ohio is a perfect noon start for me. I'm a selfish guy when it comes to games that could be blowouts. I just would rather get them over with. But I, it sure seems to me, that, Dustin, that the Minnesota game is teed up if they want to have a traditional whiteout at night. That's going to be the game. Yeah, so Ohio State doesn't have an official start time yet, but a lot of the indications are Penn State is going to have this choice that we talked about last week that you brought up. Again, Minnesota at night, Ohio State at noon. What's the choice? Nobody's talking, by the way, about Ohio noon whiteout on ABC. (laughs) Nobody's mentioning that one. You heard it here first. (laughs) Well, the other thing is that's – that what's that September 10th, the way that the weather is now, Justin, <laughs> I mean, it could be about 101 at kickoff because it, it seems like September's early September has become the new part of the summer schedule. That, that'll be blazing hot day. And yeah, that could be that could be a great whiteout game, but people might die of, of sun poisoning. It, it'll be hard to be a whiteout if everybody's red in, in the crowd. I know I know I would be. In Penn State, they're paleouts anymore. They're not whiteouts. <laughs> let's let's look at these late arriving freshmen, Bob. I I I, I would say um, start the bidding. Deny Dennis Sutton, the defensive end from from McDonough, really made a hard charge late. He was highly highly regarded. There was some discrepancy, you know, between recruiting surfaces who really valued him the most, and and some were like like rivals was out in front for a while, but he was so good in the All American Bowl. And what strikes me about him, which you know, I, I would put him in that year one category, not just because of posi- it's a position of need, but because he seems to treat his football like he's a professional already. Like he doesn't sound like an 18 year old at all. Doesn't, doesn't look like an 18 year old either. So when you perform the way he performs and the way that he handles himself, you know, it doesn't look like he's going to be coming in behind on anything. Like I think he's got the playbook. I think he's well on his way physically. I would be surprised if he doesn't make a year one impact. And it doesn't necessarily have to be in the first two games of the season. It could just be, he might need a couple of weeks just to kind of get everything Squared away, but you know, if he's ready to go for the Big Ten season past Purdue, the, the majority of the, the Big Ten season, I think Penn State would absolutely gear gear him up to do that. This is going to be one of those seasons. I think the coaching staff knows it's a tough schedule, right? They're coming off a seven six year. Uh, the year before that, they were four and five. They need to win as many games as they can. And you know, in this day and age, if that means um, a talented true freshman is good to play, you know, six or seven meaningful games for them and have an impact. The kids on board with it. I think Penn State's on board with it. They're playing some really big games in October. 
in addition to the early the early goes against Auburn and Purdue. But man, does he look good physically? You're right, and and the, the capper is a position of need for sure. There's still some question marks. They lost Ariah Fisher. He's on the top of my list. I think if he can show anything at all in August, they're gonna they're gonna fast track him uh, as much as possible to, to, be, to be able to ready to go. And even if he only gets ten or fifteen snaps a game early, I mean, if, if he can help them uh, get off the field, uh, you know, on a couple of third downs, well worth it. A lot of these kids, Dustin, they're they're coming in saying, "Hey, I'm only going to be here three years anyway." So you know, if, if I can get three good years at Penn State and not do anything wrong to my body and I come out of here healthy. I think, you know, five or six years ago, Dustin, kids probably were a little miffed that they didn't get, they didn't get to play, you know, three or four years. But now, I mean, less wear and tear, uh, more flash. He's at the top of my list, and I think for sure, James has hinted at it, this guy is going to get a very long look in August. In this day and age, I mean, you need one big year. To, to really, you know, if, if it's if it's apparent what you can do and physically where you're at from NFL team standpoint, all you need is one year to show it. And I don't even know if that's a requisite. Jason Oway didn't have any sacks and went in the first round of the draft. <laughs> yeah, I think Jason Oway became a first rounder because of what he did during strength and conditioning and winter conditioning. Because, I mean, I've never seen anyone look quite like him. Uh, and he might actually end up being a really good player with the Ravens, but that last year he had no sacks. He was disrupted, and he also got hurt. And, you know, Shaka Tony probably had the better Penn State career. Shaka Tony struggling to hang on in the NFL, and Odafe Owe is a bonus baby who actually might be ready for a breakout in 2022. So it is crazy. And I, I do feel like Shaka Tony, he would he would sack a quarterback five plays in a row and then wouldn't get a sack for five games. <laughs> I was I can still remember that in 2018, he had four sacks in one quarter uh, at Indiana. They barely won. That was really it for him. He was a very good player at Penn State. But how do you get four sacks in one quarter and then not take over the Big Ten like in 2019? Maybe you should ask Garrett Sickles. <laughs> <laughs> one phenomenal one phenomenal quarter and a half against Ohio State. He called it a career. Came out early, regretted it, and now he's a nice guy. Hopefully he's doing well, but man, a little bit mismanaged. I pick on more Penn State players on this podcast than I do anywhere else, and I feel like it's your fault, Bob, like you bring that out on me. But, I mean, call call a spade a spade with these guys. But, you, you know, as you as you mentioned, uh, Odafe Owe uh, was disruptive freaked through and through uh the ravens you know have the perfect structure to bring him in Here's, we'll see with deny dennis sutton he's I, I don't think he's quite in that away category in terms of twitchiness but he's pretty close like i think in terms of twitchiness upon his arrival he's somewhere between odafe away and uh yitor gross matos like i think he's a little twitchier than gross matos was at the same time but yitor gross matos arrived in the summertime and made what was part of that year one rotation because he was so polished and he was so good at getting into the backfield we'll see if the, uh, dennis sutton can do the same uh one other guy from this late group that i would say maybe has a shot cam miller the cornerback 
uh, four star from Florida. He's six feet. He's 175 pounds. He's kind of built for it already. He just looks like he knows how to play the game and can do a variety of things. That position doesn't have a lot of needs up top, but I think in terms of the depth piece, you could see a surprise or two in there, maybe on special teams. Cam Miller is an interesting guy to follow. If he's, if he's as good as advertised right away, which if you ask Terry Smith, he will say absolutely he is. Um, he, he's one to watch for that year. One thing too, you know, they, I think Penn state likes their top four corners. Uh, you know, Daquan Hardy, I meant, I mentioned Daquan Hardy first, cause I always mentioned him third and I want to give him a little bit more love. I think he, he is a starter in my mind. Joey Porter, obviously Johnny Dixon, uh, is also, you know, going to be a really good player. And then the, uh, the phenom Kalen King as well. Um, but if anyone gets hurt, anyone gets dinged up. You know, I think I think that this true freshman is a guy that they won't hesitate to play right away. And I do think if Terry Smith likes somebody early. I can almost guarantee he's going to play in the fall and have some kind of meaningful role. You know, Terry Smith has been doing this a long time as Penn State's corners coach, and he's really good at identifying freshman corners who are going to play right away um, in the fall. He, he's he, you know he did it with John Reed, uh, he did it with Grant Haley. He's not, and they're not afraid to play true freshmen. This kid's got a lot of a lot of physical tools. I think had he been able to enroll in January, which was the plan, I think I, we'd feel even better about it. So I think he's a really, really good pick. And I do think that even if he doesn't play a lot on defense, I think he can help them on special teams. So I think that's a big part of Penn State getting kids ready to play early. Hey, maybe travel with the team. But I think he's he's a player to watch. There's one other guy. This is cheating. Um, but the Lackawanna... Uh, Tyrese Mills. I know he's not a freshman, but he's a first-year guy. With their track record with uh, Lackawanna safeties, I would think uh, he, he's probably got a, a really good chance to play in some capacity in the fall, whether it's special teams or not. But he's another guy that's uh, more polished than the other freshmen, but he is a first-year late arrival that I think Penn State will absolutely play in the fall. If he does follow in Brisker and Jair Brown's footsteps, this will be like a set the stage year for something bigger in 2023. Uh, two other names I want to bring up. One is Christian Driver, who, you know, the, the surprise when, the, when Penn State rolled out their roster, their updated roster with these guys on it, as he's listed as a cornerback now when it looked like safety or wide receiver. So Penn State likes him at corner. I did think, you know, watching him play a bit, uh, he needs to work on his feet and his quickness a little bit. I, I don't, I didn't know that he was necessarily there yet. I don't expect a year one impact, but I'm just curious how that one plays out. And then, um, one other name, Abdul Carter, you know, any of these three Philadelphia linebackers could be worth watching if they're ready, ready. Cause like, you know, where the, exactly is the depth coming from at that linebacker spot? One of these guys might stand out. I like Abdul Carter. You know, he looks like kind of like a Brandon Smith light, like 6'4", 235. He doesn't move quite as well. He's not the, the freak athletic necessarily, but he is a true linebacker with a huge frame. You know, Brandon Smith played early. Uh, Cam Brown played played early. You know, as as a long linebacker, there's kind of a precedent there. And I and I like Abdul Carter's game. Uh, Keon Wiley and Ken Talley. Nothing would really surprise me with those guys either. Yeah, and I, I also think that Penn State is kidding themselves if they feel like they came out of spring with five or six linebackers they feel like can play and help them because there's there's some you know Charlie Catcher just can't stay healthy. He just cannot stay healthy. I don't, I don't know that we really have seen enough from Tyler Elsden in this day and age where the game's played in space. 
you got to be able to run. I, I, I would like to see a little bit more of him to see just how he's going to hold up uh, in this new environment. So really, you're talking about Curtis Jacobs. And I think Kobe King is a guy that they uh, are going to play a lot. But you're right. There's certainly an opportunity in this linebacker room. They knew they were going to lose Ellis Brooks, but they lost Brandon Smith. I think that caught them by surprise, even though I think Brandon was always going to come out. And they just, they're, I think they're going to scramble early in the year to find not just the third linebacker they, they could trust, but the fourth linebacker. And if they get an injury or two or anything happens to Curtis Jacobs, boy, uh, this defense could look a lot different. And I do think the linebacker picture is maybe thinner than it's been in a long time at Penn State. Yeah, and I think with these freshmen, I mean, each of these freshmen in their own right can kind of make a claim to be able to play right away, and it might have to go that way. Like Cam Brown, I don't think was played by choice necessarily, right? Like I think I think he was a product of of a situation where he had to be thrown in there. So you know, one or maybe more than one of these guys could could be the same thing. Not for nothing, just uh, my thought on Ken Talley is like he's six three, two hundred and thirty eight pounds, I think. He looks like the guy who's most capable of this group to be like a Jesse Lucetta, could be a linebacker, could be an end, could be used in multiple different roles. Um, but Carter looks like he's most ready to play in year one out, out of those three. As much as there's some concern about defensive tackle and even defensive end, I don't know how great Penn State feels about the linebacker position going into August camp. I think they might feel better at the end of it. But if they do feel better, it's probably because of some of these late freshman arrivals that they think one or two of them can help them right away. Cause it just feels like they are not, that is not a team strength in my mind going into the August game. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our locations, including our new state college dispensary located at 1248 South Atherton Street. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. Last but not least, Bob, we did last week um, under the radar players. And I think there are a few other names that maybe aren't under the radar, but let's just say um, can exceed expectations. Let me let, let me let me hear one or two of yours quick. I don't know how much how much did I mention Hakeem Beeman uh, last week? He was was he brought up? I don't think we talked about him in, in this respect as as being under the radar. I was getting ready. I just think we ran out of time, but I am dreaming about Hakeem Beeman in this segment. Did you like that? Um, he is a talented player. He didn't play at all last year. Sort of mysterious circumstances, and I don't want – I mean, you hear a lot of things, but he's on the roster. He looks like he's added some weight, which I think is a big deal because I think if he's going to play, it's going to have to be a defensive tackle. He's going to have to be at around 270 pounds. But absolutely, he's a guy to look at in that defensive line rotation. Um, I want to say he's now in his fourth year at Penn State. I think he was a redshirt freshman. In 2020, when he flashed a little bit, didn't see him last year. I think he's a fourth-year player. He is a guy that I, I think that when you when you think about the Penn State defense, his name uh, his name does not really is not the one one of the first ones that comes to mind. I also think Penn State's coaching staff went to great length, really not to get too excited about him this offseason because they just 
They want to make sure they can count on him this year for whatever went wrong. I don't think it was a health issue. I, I don't think they want to get their hopes up. They want to see him get through August, see how he's doing. Um, but if he's ready to hit the ground running uh, in that season opener at Purdue, I think you're going to hear James Franklin and some of the defensive coaches talk more about him because he is a talented player. There's no question about it. And they need, they need with PJ Mustafer, maybe not 100% because of the knee. Uh, they lost Derek Tangelo. If he's ready to go, I think that's a big plus for the Penn State defensive tackle rotation. And if you think about, you know, if Hakeem Beeman is back in good graces and he's available and he's doing what he does and Zane Durant is as good as advertised, you're talking about some explosion with those defensive tackles uh, that they didn't really have next to PJ Mustafer last year. Derek Tangelo was a solid player, um, came in and did his job and, and, and did it well. But, you know, you, you're talking about being able to be disruptive. You have two candidates to play that role that they didn't really have last year. Couldn't agree with you more. Like, again, I keep going back to they're playing against some pretty good offenses, some pretty good running games early. Uh, the Auburn game is going to be – they're going to get tested by the Auburn running game. But it's also about inside, not necessarily uh, pass rush, Dustin, but it's they got to be able to at least move the pocket, make the quarterback uncomfortable. They're not going to get a lot of sacks out of their defensive tackles, but they, they can't just play the game with the line of scrimmage. they got to get into the backfield. Beeman's a guy that probably can do that. Zane Durant's a guy that can do that. And a healthy Mustafer could do that. So, yeah, I think they have their fingers crossed about Mustafer and they feel good about him because he was playing so well before he got hurt at the Iowa game. But, you know, you just, it's a big ask for a true freshman to be able to hold up for 13 games, you know, late in the year in the Big Ten. Is he big enough? You know, is, is he really ready? Will he hit the wall? I think Hakeem Beeman uh, physically is ready and they're going to need a little bit more. Uh, from their defensive tackles. So I think Hakeem Beeman is really a guy that could really help this Penn State defense if he's focused and they could get 12 or 13 games out of him. Uh, I'm going to look at offense here, Bob. And, um, you know, I think Caden Wallace had had a year that he wanted to, he would like to have back last year. Um, <laughs> but I still really like him as, as a player. And I think, I think there, there's a really good chance that he bounces back. And then, yeah, I think he's kind of pigeonholed as being, you know, a little too wide, a little too slow for that right tackle position. Um, but I think he's going to have a better year and, uh, it would help the Penn State offensive line tremendously if, if that's correct. <laughs> He's their most experienced offensive lineman by far. I just remember in 2020, I think about three or four games into the season, they moved Will Fries inside to make room for this guy. Uh, they thought that highly of him. And I thought he did okay in 2020. I, 2021 remains a mystery to me, Dustin, in terms of offensive line play, maybe more so than any year of the James Franklin era. I think you can make an argument that they're three – best offensive linemen coming into 2021 all took steps back. Rasheed Walker, now I know he was hurt, but I thought, I really thought this kid would be in the first round conversation. And for whatever reason, you know, the kid barely went in the seventh round and surprising to me, uh, Mike Miranda didn't even get drafted after he was an all sick, all big 10 second team pick. That to me is, that's going to be one of the great mysteries to me. And then Caden Wallace, maybe not as bad, as the other two, but he's a physically imposing man. He is, and he should be dominating some people at the line of scrimmage. He shouldn't be, you know, just kind of trying to fend guys off. Uh, I wonder if maybe 
his future might be inside at guard. I don't know if that's true, but I wor- I just worry about his feet in uh, when it comes to the pass rush. The thing that worried me the most about him was it wasn't the run game so much. It was just getting flat out beat off the edge. So hopefully that's been addressed. Hopefully the footwork is better. He's going to have to play a lot better. Not only do they have questions about their offensive line, Dustin, but they don't even have a lot of uh, returnees that they're really, I think, counting on. There's like five, six, maybe seven guys. And, you know, none of them, we're not thinking, maybe Juice Scruggs we're talking about is maybe being one of the better centers in the Big Ten. But there's so many question marks at every other position. And they're coming off one of their, I think, one of their worst years as an offensive line during Franklin's time. You're right about Caden Wallace. If if he could take a step forward, I think Penn State might have a chance to be uh, a little bit formidable. Let's just say a little bit formidable uh, up front on the offensive line. That's high praise, Bob. It's high praise for Phil Troutwine and James Franklin. Hey, I think it's nothing they don't already know. Honestly, they I know they should be they should be a little anxious about it, it, this. Can't happen for another year in a row. It just can't. I talked to Landon Tangwall a little while after he committed to Penn State, whatever, whatever, whatever the time frame was. Um, and what really, one of the things that really surprised me when I talked to him is that, you know, he and the Penn State staff were working off the assumption that Caden Wallace was going to leave for the NFL early. You know, that, that was the feeling about him inside that locker room that, that came through to, to Tangwall too. And, you know, that, that's, that wasn't the guy that we saw last year, the, the jump to the NFL early guy. So I, you know, there, there's a chance that he gets back to that. Uh, one other thing I, I just wanted to say, um, Mitchell Tinsley coming from, uh, Western Kentucky, you know, 24 seven sports does these transfer rankings and have, they have him as the number 105 transfer player <laughs> in this cycle. And it's like, Man, I get it. You know, like I, I think I think those transfer rankings are pretty closely correlated to what their original recruiting rankings were. And Mitchell Tinsley wasn't really, you know, a big time guy there. But man, you do you really think 104 transfers are going to have a bigger impact this year than Mitchell Tinsley? Like, I think he's going to have a really nice year. Not, you know, Jahan Dotson, nothing like that. But man, 1,400 yards, uh, 87 catches. Uh, I know that Western Kentucky threw the ball a ton, but you know it's hard to believe that that he's not going to make a bigger impact than some of these people seem to think. Good point. He certainly looked pretty good. He looked like he was moving very well in that blue-white scrimmage. He's a bigger kid than I think people realize. He's pretty well put together. A little bit uh, six foot, six foot one, over two hundred pounds. Proven guy. I think you're right. I mean, I think he fits right in as as a top three wideout, and everyone else is going to have to fight playing time behind him and Parker and Keandre Lambert Smith, but you're, you're right. Doesn't it make sense? Like a guy that had that kind of year, maybe, you know, a top 50 or top 40 transfer guy instead of a top 100 guy at the worst case. That's a lot of names to mention before you get to Mitchell Tinsley after he had a, and especially, you know, he had some good games against some big 10 teams. Like if you look at, it wasn't just, he, you know, he put up numbers in every game, but I think they played two big 10 teams and I think he went off, Against both of them, I know. I know he got a lot of targets, but it's not like he shied away from competition against some of the more athletic teams that uh, Western Kentucky faced. I just want to throw one more name out before we wrap this up, and this is like a throw. This is one just based. It's a speculative uh, throw, just based on his talent. I another guy that I just a real puzzler based upon what he did early in his Penn State career. Look, the running back room at Penn State is now no joke, man. I, I've heard nothing 
but great things about the two uh, true freshmen that enrolled in January. Not just Nick Singleton, but Katron Allen, I think, is really a guy that could help Penn State. And I, I've always been a big uh, Kevon Lee fan, but I'm just going to mention De- Devin Ford here as a guy that's a veteran, just based on his talent. I mean, a lot might have to go have to happen for him to get his opportunity. I was stunned um, in 2020, Dustin, after he did some pretty good things in uh, in 2019 as a true freshman, and you know, Journey Brown. Uh, gets hurt. Noah Kane gets hurt. And the stage is set for this kid that some people thought possibly might even have been a five-star talent coming out of Virginia. It was all there in front of him. You know, he did not seize the moment. He looked tentative. I don't know if he wasn't big enough, but Penn State gave him a lot of chances, I thought, early in 2020 to establish himself after after Noah Kane got hurt, and you just didn't see it. Now, I still think there's some talent there. You see it every once in a while when he gets loose in space, but, man, if it turns out that he's just a Penn State afterthought, and hopefully he's not, but you look at the room, and he might be the fourth option real soon. A lot of people were wrong then, I think, about Devin Ford, and I don't know what necessarily is on on the evaluators. It, it just might be the kid just did not love the game enough. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong, but, man, there's a lot of things he can do really well on a football field. And I just wonder about him uh, if he, if he's really aware of this is it for him. He's got to, if he gets a chance, he's got to make the most of it. And he certainly has the talent to do it. He's one guy that it seems like the Penn State staff, every time they get a chance to talk about consistency and preparation and consistency, ball security, can you know, just, it, it seems to intimate that everything Devin Ford is doing behind the scenes isn't as steady or as consistent as it should be. And I think that that comes through, you know, he was a guy that like I thought in 2020, you know, he, he. Uh, made less with more than than the other running backs. And then last year he made less with less because there wasn't a whole lot going on for any of those running backs. You know, I, I still am a believer in how electric he is. And, you know, may, maybe his role was kind of limited to, you know, really testing defenses on the outside. And if that's if that's the role for him, then then so be it. But it, he is like I think all these running backs are kind of fighting for their lives um, a little bit with the with how crowded it is. But him in particular, I'd love to see him salvage what's left here. Yeah, let's. He's in his fourth year, and that's old for a running back with his pedigree. You know, if you're if you're not if you haven't begun to arrive early in your second year, they're going to bring in some other guys that have just as good of a pedigree or better, and you better. You better seize the moment because the clock really starts ticking, I think, on running backs early in their second year at a major school. And either you got it or you don't. Right now, he hasn't had it, but there's there's still no getting around the fact he's a very talented player. And I just wonder if maybe he'll get one more shot. I never saw the Journey Brown. I think Journey was in his third year when he finally got going in the second half of 2019. <clears throat> and I never thought he was capable of it. But who knows? Maybe he'll have, Devin will have a strong August, and maybe he's a guy that if a guy – one of the freshmen, just for whatever reason, struggles maybe in pass protection, and Kevon Lee is not deemed worthy of fifteen to twenty carries. If they if they can give him a role, and he can have one one big game early against a good team, he could really change the, traje- the trajectory of his Penn State career. Everybody develops differently, and crazier things have happened than him. Uh, you know, kind of breaking through at this stage of his career. All right, that's Bob Flounders. I'm Dustin Hockensmith for the Blue White Breakdown here on Penn Live. You can check out all the Blue White Breakdown podcasts we do 
pretty much everywhere podcasts can be found. Alexa, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, and everything else we do can be found at penlive.com slash Penn State football. Thanks for tuning in and thanks to Bob. We'll see you next time here on the Blue White Breakdown. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>